we have to unpack what is losing weight. Is it I want to be loved? Is it I want advancement at work? Is it I want to feel more vital? Great. Let's go for those things. Welcome back to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals, financial independence and a long, not just a long, horrible, grisly life that goes on and on, but a long, happy, healthy, joyful, loving life. That's why I'm so excited that Nina Mandelson is with us today. She is a body peace coach and she helps people end the war with food and body and finally feel truly at home in their body as it is. And that's the thing, right? I mean, we are at war with this like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done this. And now now that I do, I feel like crap. So if in order to make myself feel better, why don't I just eat something so I can feel even more like crap, right? It's just horrible, vicious circle. Nina, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh. It's totally my delight, Christine. And I loved how you just jumped right into like the, the core of this, which is how do we feel good long-term? Because what our culture does is say, oh, you're not happy with how you look or how you feel or how you fit into your jeans. Here, just do this seven pounds, seven days, and you We'll get the gold star and be happy forever. And that's absolutely, we all know that that's not the truth. And so what I'm really interested in cultivating with women is this experience of feeling truly at home in their body for the long haul, right? Because hopefully if we're lucky, as my mother would say, if you're lucky, you get to be old. So hopefully we're going to go for the long haul, but feeling at home in our own body. And I have talked to way too many women who have said, Nina, I just don't want to die hating my body. Oh my gosh. That's so sad. It is tragic. And it's tragic, not just because they feel that way. It's tragic that we have a culture that has trained us to hate our body such that as we're aging and as we're moving into this part of our life where we get to be a little freer, right? Less responsibility, hopefully, a little more of like on our own decisions, not for kids, not for parents, but what do I want? That we're like, oh my gosh, but I'm not good enough because I still don't fit in the size X gene. Like, really? Yeah. Really? You know, it's funny when you were just saying that, I was reminded of, you know, my mom's in her 80s. She probably wouldn't like me to reveal her age, but she's over 80. And I hear people at her, she lives at senior housing and they're saying, you know, oh, I can't wear no sleeves because my arms are wiggly. And I think to myself, oh my God, you know, at 80 years old, just let it go, man. You know, you're a wrinkly mess. Just get over it. Just love yourself. Right. I mean, come on. But yeah, Mm -hmm. even at that age, we're still not necessarily embracing ourselves um, and our, yeah, our true, right. What we are, whatever we are in the mirror, is that what we really are? But Nina, how did you get interested in this? Has this always Mm -hmm. been your passion? So um, the reason that I work with women around body peace is because I was the expert of body war. That was my existence, right? Like what's wrong with my body? What new diet should I do? I was a chronic dieter. I was a compulsive eater. I was secret eating. I was feeling bad about every bite that I put into my body and always feeling bad about what I saw in the mirror. So I was in that constant noise of self-criticism and self-judgment and trying desperately to get the willpower and the self-control that our culture goes, well, if you just had enough willpower and if you just got a little self-control. And so 
really my journey both personally and professionally is what got me to where I am. So I was really in the struggle. And finally, literally, I was bored, bored with the conversation of criticism in my head. I was like, this cannot be the conversation I have with myself. There are more important things for me to think about than what I just ate and what the scale says. So I started my own journey and in that process became a therapist and in that process started to work with people around um, their experience in their body. I became a body worker also and combined those two. So I was doing body-mind therapy and still struggling with my relationship with food and body. And then I had little kids and I was like, you know what, this has got to end with me. I am not passing this on for one more second to another generation of women and kids and young men, you know, hating their body. Um, And so then I really dove in. I was like, if I could just figure out what to eat, then I will have cracked the code. So I went to nutrition school. Yeah, that did not have the answer either. So then I started to combine all those things, right? The psychology, the nutrition, the how do we be embodied? How do we actually listen to our body? And that's where this work of body peace came out of. My work with psychology of eating, body trust work, intuitive eating, and all of that sort of percolated together to create body piece. And it's really what I've been doing for 30 years is working with women and helping them cultivate a relationship with their own body where they feel at home, where it feels like, yes, this is a good place to live. And I actually want to support myself in this place, right? I want to nourish myself. I want to give to myself instead of being deprivational and controlling and managing and, and afraid Yeah, you brought up a lot of excellent points. I just want to kind of go back a little bit to the the noise because I feel like it it does distract us from doing better things or higher things or right. I mean, it's just like if you if you're just so locked in this battle going on in your head, Mm -hmm. your head is not available to do other stuff. No, No, honestly. So I grew up in Montreal. I live in Boston now, but I grew up in Montreal. So I grew up speaking French and I like languages. And my daughter in the last few years moved to Israel. So I was like, oh boy, I got to better learn Hebrew. So I started learning Hebrew, learning Hebrew. And I realized, wow, I love languages. And how many languages have I learned? I learned the language of Weight Watchers. I learned the language of Scarsdale diet. I learned the language of the grapefruit diet, the watermelon diet, the 5 million diets. How many languages could I have spoken by now if I wasn't learning the language of calories and grams and points? Seriously? Yeah. And it's really important for us to look at like, and I, women have said to me, clients, they're like, by now I could have like fed a whole village in Africa with the amount of energy that I've spent obsessing over my body and what I just ate. Yeah. Yeah, And we deserve more and our world deserves us not feeling small and bad. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it's, I don't want to say like that it's a big, um, uh, conspiracy, right? That people are just trying to keep us too busy worrying about what the heck we look like to (laughs) to do anything else. But sometimes it feels that way. Well, Naomi Wolf in one of her books said, you know, uh, uh, women who are obsessed with their body are easier to control. 
that's not her exact quote, but that was the essence of it. Which is, if we, and it is, like a $67 billion industry is the diet industry. That's how much money is coming at us, making us feel bad. And if we're busy feeling bad about that, well, then what? You can't focus on actually building wealth. You can't focus on building your own sense of stability because you're too busy feeling like your worth is tied up in your size and your body and what the scale says. Exactly. Yeah. I can't speak in front of people. They're going to think I'm fat and you know, whatever, ugly, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. And the other thing that I think you touched on, and I'm not really sure, I apologize. I don't know if this is exactly your um, philosophy, but you were talking about like intuitive eating, which I take to mean that if it makes you feel good, then it's a good thing to eat. Is that sort of what it's all about? (laughs) So intuitive eating is a little more complex than that, but that is absolutely an aspect of it, which is listening to our body. And when you say those words, Christine, it's really good. When you said, well, does it make you feel good? Like people will be like, well, yeah, it makes my mouth feel great. Right. That whole pint of ice cream was awesome. But like there is a whole body here, too. So how did that go with your whole body? Right. Or you know, it depends too. Like broccoli makes me feel great. I love broccoli. There's nothing more I love than broccoli with garlic sauce, but then my body feels terrible. Right. So this idea of like, what's good food, what's bad food, judging food. And like, let's actually go what you, what I imagine you're meaning in that statement. Let's go to what actually nourishes our whole self, our whole body. And listen to that, not just like, oh, you know what, I, this, you know, that Moorish feeling like of a a bag of chips, like I just need more, I need more, I need more, and more. And then we're like eating in our head and we haven't like noticed that our body's like, oh my God, it's so much salt. Please give me water. Right. Like we want to be connected to our whole being in this. And it doesn't mean that certain foods are good and bad and important important aspect of intuitive eating is full permission to eat. You get to choose because when we're in restriction around eating, it sets up a boomerang effect, right? If I restrict over here on the other end of things, there will be a backlash of, Oh, I restricted. So now I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get whatever I can. Right. So often people go like, I don't understand. I was so good on this diet for 10 days and now I'm binging. That's the classic example. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, this is maybe just my psychology, but if you say to me, you know, something I never eat, okay. Or something I could care less about. You say to me, Chris, you can never eat another banana. Then I'm going to be like, suddenly, my God, that looks like that. I just need a banana. If I could only have a banana, you know I mean? It's just like foolishness. But as soon as you tell me I can't have it, I'm just, that's exactly what I want. (laughs) And that's human nature. That's a really powerful aspect of us that two parts of us, right? One is the inner rebel, which is don't tell me what the heck I can do and what I can't do, right? right? I am a capable human and nobody gets to do that. And we have to honor that part of us. And the other part of us that is self-agency, right? I have agency. I get to choose, right? Not so much of the rebel, which is, you know, that pushback energy, but that like, no, I am a grown up here with agency and independence, and I'm going to assert that. And that's important for us to honor those places and not 
basically paint ourselves into a corner of rebellion. So when you first start working with someone, I mean, how does that look? What, what sort of, where do you begin with people? What kinds of questions, what kinds of, um, you know, whatever dynamic, how does it all work? So one of the first questions that I often will ask is how would you describe your relationship with your body? Or how would you describe your relationship with your food? And it depends what people are walking in leading with. Some people are like, I'm just hating my body all the time. Some people are like, I'm binge eating, I'm secret eating. I'm, you know, all the things, right. I'm just craving sweets from morning to night. So it depends. So one is getting curious. What does this look like? And how was this developed? And some of the questions that I ask actually are available in a journal that I have on my website. It's a practicing body piece journal and it's available for free bodypiecewithnina.com. Um, and it's there to download and it's really pretty. Um, and it has some of my body poems in there too. And it's 20 questions that I would ask you if you were sitting in my office. But the other thing that we do when we're getting into this work is what are your goals, right? The way someone would start therapy or any project, what's the goal here? Because so often our goal is I just want to lose weight. And that's not a goal that actually is helpful. It's a goal that our culture has said, oh, you want to be healthy? Lose weight. Oh, you want romance in your life? Lose weight. Oh, you want an advancement at work? Lose weight. Oh, you, right? Lose weight is the the ridiculous sort of dumb default for everything. And the problem with that is 95% of people who go on diets to lose weight gain their weight back, if not more weight in two to five years. So if we're not going for the goal of, I want to lose weight, then what are we going for? Because we have to unpack what is losing weight. Is it, I want to be loved? Is it, I want advancement at work? Is it, I want to feel more vital? Great. Let's go for those things. Yeah. Let's go for what's underneath the weight loss. Weight loss is like a a really shiny package that our society has said, here, buy this. It's worth a lot of money, but you can't actually have that. And so then it's not even a thing, right? It's not a thing. It's like when you say to people, you know, what are your financial goals? I want to be rich. What the heck does that even mean? Exactly. It's like, I want to lose weight. Okay. You know, you just uh, let me cut your finger off. You've lost weight. Go home. You know, you're all set. (laughs) Come on. What's the actual, what do you, what does that actually mean? Yes, totally. What does it mean? What's underneath? What's important? And same if people come and say, you know, I'm just so critical of my body. I hate my body all the time. It's like a nonstop, like, oh, I'm like, what's wrong? I go by a window and I, oh my gosh, look at that belly. Oh my gosh, look at those thighs. Oh my gosh, look at the wiggle of manner. Like all this stuff. Great. Okay. And they're like, I just want to love my body. I'm like, all right, well, let's get into what loving our body really is. Because personally, I think it's aspirational. And as much as I love the fact that there's a body positive movement and a body love movement, I actually think it's too like, high in the sky. It's what I call the flyover. We're in body hate and body shame. And then I'm going to fly over everything. And suddenly, ta-da, I'm going to love my body. Right. And, and literally I tried, 
10 years of Louise Hay in the mirror. I love my body. I love my body. I love my body. And 10 years, literally my body laughing at me going, you really don't. That's like completely not the truth. So really, what do we want if we're not going for this fantasy relationship of loving every bit of cellulite, every stretch mark, every roll, every fold? Like, I don't buy that because our culture has indoctrinated us into what is beautiful. So we have to start relearning what is our brand of beauty and then go for something that's not quite as lofty as body love. And that's why I go for body peace. That's a relationship with yourself where you're actually respecting yourself. You're honoring yourself, you're having compassion for yourself. You're taking care of yourself. Yeah. That's how much of this, I just, when you were just talking, it flashed into my mind, like the conversations that I hear people having with their bodies, right? So how much of this is about actual words that people speak? Like I hear people say, well, if I wasn't so fat and, you know, blah, 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 like constantly like saying these sorts of things over and over again throughout the course of the day. And I just feel like that's like negative reinforcement all day long. It is negative reinforcement. And the way I want to actually, um, respond to that is so one of the things I do is I write body poems I write body piece poems they're poems about our relationship with our body um and so one of the things I often hear is women who are so negative and I want to share a poem with you that really addresses this issue and this one many of my poems are autobiographical because this was my journey so this poem is called um I talk to my flowers better than I talk to my body. Oh, it's so true. Right? We talk to our pets better than we talk to our body. We talk to our flowers better. We talk to our everybody else better. So this poem is, I talk to my flowers better than I talk to my body. Hello, beautiful. Where aren't you blossoming today? Look at your radiant colors and mm, 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 you smell luscious. Every time I walk by my flowers, I smile, appreciating their beauty, the uniqueness of every bud, the sensuality of the velveteen petals on that violet rose, the pop of power from that Gerbera daisy, the lushness of the lavender hydrangea, and oh, my pink peony. Each one exquisite, each one different, each one worthy of attention. I admire them with such ease. I notice their beauty as much as I ignore my own. Look at those unique folds, a belly lined with the patterns of history, a bumpy swirl luxuriating from waist to hip to leg, how sensuous, how juicy. And the wave of arms blowing in the wind, they keep waving part of nature I am. I walk by the mirror and there at last, hello, beautiful. Well, aren't you blossoming today? Wow. I love that. That is gorgeous. And so incredibly poignant, so true and accurate about what, you know, so many people are dealing with. Absolutely. And it takes practice right? Body peace is not like body love. Yay. I now love my body. Great. You get a gold sticker on your forehead. Body peace is a practice. Talking to ourselves with compassion is a practice. Being 
supportive of what our body needs, even nutritionally, movement-wise, is a practice. Quieting that critical voice is a practice. Do you feel like, you know, we were talking a little bit about cravings and, and, or maybe I was just thinking about it with things that you were talking about, but, you know, listening to when you do one thing, I mean, I was just thinking about like when I eat um, Italian food or, you know, like red sauce, it always makes me want something sweet. Mm -hmm. Like, so, right. I can either eat something sweet or I can avoid red sauce, but it's, it's not the same for everyone. I think is what you're trying to say. Like when, you know, you're talking about broccoli, I like broccoli, doesn't like me. There are just foods that, you know, whether or not they're like healthy, if it doesn't work for our body, then we just shouldn't be eating. How do you, how do you find that out? Yeah. So there's two issues that you brought up that are really, really powerful. One is this idea that this is a phrase I always say, love the food that loves you back, right? I love broccoli, does not love me back. So, okay, we're not a great match, right? <laughs> Some people will be like, yes, but I, I love ice cream and it loves me back until I eat, you know, the whole pint and then not so much. So it's a little bit more complicated relationship. So that's one, right? How do we get curious about what are the foods that, that you love that actually love you back? Not from a diet police, not from a nutritional police standpoint, but from a, like, I'm actually honoring what I know. We've lived in our body for a decade or two. We know a few things right? We've like driven this car around the block. We kind of know what works, what doesn't. So that's one piece. The other piece that you brought up, which is a really interesting and fun topic, which is cravings. Because cravings come up for (laughs) so many different reasons. And so they are, instead of being like, oh, I have a craving. That's so bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. No, 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 no. Ah, I just ate the whole thing, right? (laughs) Instead of that, we go with, oh, Hmm, that's interesting. That's a craving. I want, it's like going into it like it's um, a code. Huh. What's happening, right? With you in the red sauce. You're like, oh, I know this code. I know how this plays out, right? And then I can decide how to play it. Do wh- What am I going to make sure that I have for dessert that's going to give me that final yum sweet thing, right? But it could also be like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, it's been a really stressful day and all I want is like crackers and chips and and nuts. And what is that craving? I just can't get enough. I don't want anything. Like someone says, here's a bowl of soup. No, I just, right. Oh, that might have more to do with I'm angry and I need to crunch. I need to munch, right? Oh, you know, in every chick flick on the planet, oh, they broke up with the boyfriend and now they're eating the pint of ice cream. Well, that is like the classic craving, right? I, my heart hurts. I'm heartbroken. Quick, let me put some sob all over that broken heart. Ice cream will do it, right? So to look at cravings, not from a place of I'm being good or bad because that never ends well, but rather from a place of, huh, what are you telling me about my internal experience? What are you telling me about what I need right now? It may be the food. There's nothing wrong with that. But it may be also something else underneath that craving, right? Some people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't get enough seaweed. I can't get enough sea salt. I can't get enough. Like, oh, my gosh. And they're like mineral deprived. Yeah. It could be a nutritional thing. So using cravings as a doorway to get curious, 
my body is speaking. And most often, right, the language of our body is sensation. But sometimes that also shows up in my desire for a certain food. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And so interesting, right? You just get to be all detective with your body and say, what, what are you trying to tell me? Yes. But that's so Christine, that, that right there, being a detective with your body, that's a much more interesting, much more fun thing to be than to be a police of your body. Right. You're talking about curiosity that brings in compassion that brings in a, a kind relationship. Police just brings in resistance. Yeah. And shame. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, of course, is that, you know, if the problem is, you know, you don't feel loved and ice cream makes you feel better, that's a temporary thing, right? <laughs> you can only eat so much ice cream, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And in, in you're not solving the underlying problem. So what right. you're suggesting, right? Being moving, grad, uh, promoting yourself from the beat cop to the detective is yes. going to really help you to actually solve a, li- a long-term problem and in a way that's going to make you feel better in every way. Right. And I love that analogy. I'm going to use that, that beat cop to detective. I love <laughs> that. That's brilliant, Christine. And I want to take it further because what is the beat cop that just says you've done it wrong? The detective goes, huh, what's going on here? What happened to make this happen? Yeah. Right. Because we just shaming ourselves. Oh my gosh, you ate ice cream because you're heartbroken. You should stop eating ice cream. That's beat cop. Detective is, oh, of course, of course you're eating ice cream. That makes sense, right? You felt really damaged. You felt hurt. I understand why that happened, right? And then we can bring in social services, right? What else do you need to support this system, yeah. right? If you're heartbroken, if, you know, ice cream is, the, it's, there's nothing wrong with ice cream. It is a coping mechanism. It is a lovely, luscious, delicious coping mechanism. And sometimes it's just pure pleasure and pure food enjoyment, right? So I'm not vilifying ice cream, just to be really clear. But what I am saying is let's get curious, right? If ice cream feels like somewhere where you beat yourself up or the cookies or the candy or the whatever, then let's be the detective in that situation. Yeah, it's funny. I had this conversation. I just recently joined a gym because I, you know, getting older and my body is not just like, magically staying toned, like maybe it did when I were, you know, 30 years ago. And so he said, and and I, we were eating something and uh, he said, oh, you're going to eat that and go to the gym. I said, I go to the gym so I can eat that. <laughs> but Well, so I, I want to give you a detour. different spin on it. I want to give you a different spin because we do this a lot in our culture, right? Um, I'm going to eat this so that I can do this other thing, or I'm going to go to the gym to burn off the food that I ate, right? And actually to think about pulling those two completely apart, to be like, I eat because I'm a human. I have to say, (laughs) I say this more time, like at least once a day, I'm saying to somebody, humans require food and you are a human, ergo, you require food. So often women are actually not eating enough in a day. 
And then they're wondering why they binging at the end of the evening, right? So coming back over to really feeding ourselves. So pulling the movement apart from our eating, right? We get to eat so that we can be strong because we deserve food, because we need food, because it helps us think and do and play and be active and do all the things we want to be. Then we go move because it feels good. And because we do want to have strong bodies, because we do want longevity. And in all the ways that the dieting research has just failed, like in the research of dieting, it just shows that it's a failing work. system. It doesn't work. When we research movement, it works. So let's just pull those apart and move and nourish ourselves well. Yeah. So I totally brought you off on a gigantic detour, <laughs> but you were telling us about how, you know, you're sitting down with folks, you're putting some together, some, mm -hmm. some realistic goals that people that are actual, you know, smart goals, if you will, you know, they're actual things that are quantifiable that you'd know if you achieve them. And then what happens next? <laughs> <laughs> what happens next? So it also depends how we're working together. So some people I'm working together individually and some people I have groups, body peace keepers, body peace seekers. And so in body peace keepers, there's once a month we go into a curriculum around this issue of body peace. And once a month we go into body peace writing. What is my body saying? What is my body story? Where did I learn this stuff? Do I still believe what I learned? Really unpacking that. And then once a month, we also have an integration session. What's up? What do you need help with, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm noticing I'm doing more nighttime eating. Let's look at that. I'm noticing more criticism coming up. Let's look at that, right? And then also we do a book group in Body Peacekeepers because there's many people who are writing about body liberation and it needs, we need again to be bathed in these new words. Yeah. We need a new paradigm because coming at us all the time is the, your body's not good enough unless it's tiny. Well, and it's not even the however many years old we are that we've been listening to it in the media, but it's continuing. We're continuing to be bombarded with it as we're trying to, you know, change our, our, our song, right? Yeah. And when we are able to change our song, what happens is a freedom with food, a sense of ease. Like I am in a place of choice. I can go to a buffet and I can make choices that feel nourishing where I feel good while I'm eating it, after I'm eating it, the next day right? When we change that song, we start to feel like this is a home that is a good place to live and that you want to live in for the duration and that you're not wasting and spending your energy in this thing of like, oh, I got to do this thing. And I can't believe I didn't right? in all the noise. Yeah. Are you finding people having un expected consequences? Like, you know, that maybe they had a rash that healed up or they had, you know, some type of thing that they had kind of thought they'd have to live with forever. And suddenly when they get a co good conversation going with their bodies that they find, they're like, oh, I feel, you know, I'm that arthritis or, or you know, whatever, like, you know, yeah. where I'm going with this. So I do. And, and it happens. It does happen <laughs> all the time, right? It happens all the time it, in different ways, right? Sometimes it's, oh, this digestive thing, it's often digestive thing. Yeah. This digestive thing just it's not quite such an issue anymore, but also there's physical, 
ramifications, positive ramifications, but there's also sort of these bigger life issues. There was a woman that I was working with and we really did this work and she was like really caught in the, like my body's only good if. And once we did a lot of that healing, she was like, I have all this energy. I am going for advanced training. And then she got a huge promotion at work. And right, so different things happen, more visibility, more letting in more love, let, having more pleasure in the bedroom, like all of those things, because we feel freer and we and get to be ourselves. Too, I would think, right? mm-hmm. There's got to be some self-confidence that goes along with this work as well. So much. Yeah. And honestly, like there's all these wonderful um, benefits, but inside benefit cannot be um, oversold. It can't because it's just so powerful when women are like, I'm not, there's not a constant chatter of I'm not enough in my head anymore. And so I'm thinking about what do I want to do? How do I want to play this life of mine? Well, because you say you've, you've, you've opened up all this bandwidth in your brain yes, that suddenly is available is. for other more constructive things. Yeah. And the world needs us being fully ourselves, not hijacked by body shame. Absolutely. Do you have a sort of a favorite story about someone that you've, who you've worked with who just like far exceeded everybody's expectations or thoughts? Or I mean, it might just be your own story. You know, uh, well... It, that's probably a good one. I, I, I wouldn't have thought of my own story unless you said, oh, how about your story? Because <laughs> I do see it all the time in women who are just like coming into a place of like, you know what? I'm good. Like I feel at home. I know how to feed myself. I know what to eat that works for me. I don't feel paralyzed. I walk into social situations and I'm not, not like, oh my gosh, is someone, what, should I make this? Am I allowed to eat this in front of somebody? Can I just order what the heck I want? Like <laughs> there's just so much freedom. But I do think if you to come back to that, like maybe it is my own story, which is that I was hijacked by that. And now my mission, my passion is helping women be free because it is like getting out of jail. It is like leaving a war. It's like moving into our fullest sense of, this is who I am, not society's version of it, but this is my authentic expression of self. And I feel good in that. And I feel at home in that. Definitely. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I'm loving talking to you. I have a feeling that we could probably make this a six hour conversation, (laughs) which might get old for people listening. But um, two questions. First thing I want to ask you is what's the best way for people to, you know, work with you to get in touch with you if they if they want to take this to to a a more practical level rather than just hearing about us chatting about it? Yeah. So the place that I would encourage you to come visit is my website. Um, it's Body Peace with Nina, all one word, bodypeacewithnina.com or ninamandelson.com if you can figure out how to spell that one. So <laughs> that's why I created Body Peace with Nina. Um, so there's there's the, there's the website. And on the website, there are two resources that I think are incredibly powerful to support you in getting going on this journey. One is that journal that I alluded to before, which is practicing body peace. And it has 20 questions to really help you start to unpack the story 
of your own body and your relationship with food. So that's one, and it has some of my poems. The other thing is there's a free masterclass on there. And in it, I really dive into the different kinds of relationships that we have with our body and how we can shift it. And I talk more about that idea of like body love being like, you know, pie in the sky and that flyover from body hate to body love, but what we need instead, what are the relationships that we actually need to cultivate to really end the struggle with food and more. So that's where I would suggest that you go to. Um, and if you know you want to reach out to me, email me. My contact information is there. And I'm also on social media. I'm on Instagram as Nina Madelson, Facebook as Nina Madelson, TikTok as Nina Madelson, LinkedIn, all the places. <laughs> Excellent. And Nina, you know, I can feel how passionate you are about this. You know, I mean, not, not even talking about the fact that you're giving away so much of value on your website. But just in your in your voice and everything, I can just feel that this is a real labor of love for you and it's beautiful. It oh, um, I love it so much. It's truly like, it's, it is like why I'm here. Awesome. Nina, is there a question that you wish I would have asked you or something that we didn't cover that you would have wished that we would cover? Um, I think the only thing that I would want to express to people who are listening is that if you're struggling, it doesn't have to be that way. Like we start to think that this is the way it is and this is the way it's always been. And it's not true, right? If you're hating yourself or judging yourself or hating your body, it can change. Like creating a relationship with our body where we feel truly at peace and at home in our own skin is possible for everyone. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine. So and thank you listener talk. for listening. I bet that if you thought without too much thought, you could come up with somebody who you know who is struggling with their body image, that they're at war with their body, and they're using up a lot of brainwaves that could better be served elsewhere. So please share this episode with them. All of Nina's contact info is in the show notes, so you can check it out there. And um, thanks for joining us and have a wonderful week. 